0: A quick warning before we begin our episodes are made for adult ears, so do expect to hear some swear words and occasionally some adult themes. Oh one more thing while we're at the warnings a note on sound quality. These episodes have been produced by us in isolation they're not made in our usual studio so they don't sound as slick but bear with us I promise you the content is worth waiting around for.
1: Hey Daisy, can we make some podcasts? Yeah, we've got so much time on our hands. Sounds good to me.
0: Every day we could bring a good and a bad news item. What's keeping us going? What's making us blue? And then we'll try and get as many guests as we can.
1: Stunning. Let's do it. (laughs) I'm Daisy Grant and you're listening to Harness, Isolation Diaries. Good evening, Roisin. Good evening, Daisy. Doth, how are you? Um, how now, brown cow? Moo, 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 moo was the correct answer, I think.
0: Oh, sorry. Moo, moo, moo. How was your day today? It was very good. Uh, I'm back at my old garden, and that is not a euphemism.
1: You do it a bit of this, a bit of that, and by this I meant your bush, and by that I meant your back garden. Oh, by your back garden I am elbow deep in my own bush. I feel like, again, we're on bake-off.
0: Yes, and there should be a little bit of um, tick, 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 that, that, that... I'm going to put the sound of the, the... I know the sound that I mean, that percussion-y thing. I'm going to play it now. That should play as it gets tense and there's innuendo. Who's editing this episode? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Me.
1: So that doesn't make any sense and that will not be included. Daisy, what's the news of the day? You should go first. You have the really unfortunate job of telling us the bad news today.
0: I do. So apparently in South Africa, things are really, really bad. So my news item is from the Canberra Times, which is an Australian publication. And it's about South Africa. They're having a bit of a grim time. So they expect to have 45,000 deaths. And the president has just come out to say that the people should also expect to have two to three years of intermittent lockdown. So reading that just made me feel a bit
1: fucking shit. I just didn't think that it would get to that point for them. I'm sure they closed their borders really early because I know a lot of my South African friends who I work with, they couldn't go home when they planned to, they kind of went into lockdown in the same week as we did in the UK. So that's really shocking. I mean, if you
0: put it in perspective with the US or I know I'm meant to be steering away from the US, but the US has or or is nearing 50,000 deaths already. Obviously, South Africa are putting in a lot of measures and maybe the president is just being realistic. But when I read that Mm. two to three years of intermittent lockdown, that sucks, balls.
1: It really does. Cheer us up, days. Give gives you good news. Well, It usually takes me ages to find a good news item. I've been struggling lately. I was reading the news for about an hour and a half for our last news items, try and find something positive. Today, the BBC delivered. And yes, that pun was intended. There's this really cute article about a postman who delivered a parcel that was addressed to David Eason somewhere in Sheffield. So basically, a man sent... A parcel from Sweden to his friend, David Eason, with vital supplies, which turned out to be chocolate bars, which is iconic. And he didn't know his address. And so he put somewhere in Sheffield. My favourite part about all the coverage of this story is that he's used his great detective work and his, you know, his little bit, a little bit of detective skills he just looked up his name on Facebook and found it, which I thought was so funny. I was like, anyone could do that. <laughs> how big is Sheffield. How big is Sheffield? Like how many people are we talking? How how rare is a David in Sheffield? Well, David Eason as well. I'm like, I've never heard that surname before. I mean, it oh, wouldn't be that you've hard never to find. Heard it. Daisy, if you've never heard it, does it? Even Daisy Brother's it? never heard it. No, it doesn't, because anything that I haven't heard of doesn't exist. I just found it so amazing that this man went out of his way, this wonderful postie, Went out of his way to find David in Sheffield. Sheffield, you asked, has, what is the population? Oh, 500,000. Oh, all right. It's quite a lot. Half a mil.
2: I
0: love the Postman story. That is so Sheffield. I really want someone to listen to our podcast and send us chocolates.
1: Routine just did the naughtiest smile. (laughs) Can I tell you some good news in my actual life? No. Okay. No, go on. My nan and granddad sent me a bright yellow sun lounger. Oh, how bright yellow. That's so you and sun lounger. Yeah, So you. So me. Ah, oh, I literally felt like Christmas. Ah, oh, I'm loving it. Take a so comfortable. It. I've got, I'll send you one of me on it. Maybe okay. I'll post it on harness. Roisin, should we listen to some voice notes from our friends of the podcast? I would love that. Yay. Hello, I'm Georgie. I'm a theatre director. I'm isolating on the South Coast with my boyfriend. I'm entertaining myself with incredibly meticulous meal prep. I've got mm, two weeks left in me before I crack. I'm enjoying being outside, connecting with nature, and also just having a bit of time in the morning to eat my breakfast. The worst part for me is Not seeing my friends at the pub.
3: My name is Heather, and I am a regulation assistant at Insolvency Practitioner Association. And I also work part-time at Caravan. I'm isolating with my very good friend Maddie and two other flatmates and a really cute cat called Sergi. This week I've been feeling pretty like shit. Just feeling really unmotivated to do anything at all. I'm constantly fighting with my brain over two ideas of isolation which is one you don't need to be productive you just need to like survive this pandemic and the other idea is is that this is a time for like reflecting and like bettering myself and this week the non-productivity idea has definitely won. I guess the most interesting thing about lockdown is that there's a group of us probably about 20 people who have a nude selfie group and we do challenges. So that's been a very entertaining group to be part of and the flatmates have all kind of chipped in (laughs) and helped me with my submissions. I just look to New Zealand and I just see Jacinda Arden just like absolutely killing it and like making sure that All New Zealanders know what stages they are in, when they're going to go to the next stage, what what that means for the country, what that means for businesses, what that means for the individuals and I just feel so lost (laughs) over here. Literally not being able to hug anyone (laughs) Um, and probably not be able to hug anyone for a while except for my flatmates is really, is really challenging
4: Hi, my name's Nikki. I'm in Western Australia. I feel a bit of a cheat to say that I'm isolating because I am currently still at work, which is very fortunate. My husband too, he's working, he works away, so we're not in forced isolation here, thank goodness. Our 15-year-old son has been home the last few weeks, Um, we've taken him out of school and he's been homeschooling, which has been interesting. 15 year old boy homeschooling, mum's still at work. So it's been a bit of a challenge to keep him motivated, but he seems to be doing okay. I still get up the same time every day, even though Charlie's not at school, take the dog for a walk. I find that um, very therapeutic and that's my normal. You feel like nothing's changed and then you go out and you see the rainbows on the driveways and the teddy bears in the windows, which is just so lovely. And it's just such a reminder that we're all in this together. What keeps me positive is knowing that Daisy and my mum and dad have been in forced lockdown for the the last four weeks and every time I speak to them, they're still smiling, they're still positive. That keeps me going. Knowing that they're okay, then I know I can do this and I'll be okay too. Um, So thank goodness for Facebook Messenger and Zoom and all those um, platforms that we can use to reach out to our families and friends at this time.
1: Oh, it was so lovely to hear from my mum there. Oh, that was so lovely. Days, who have we got on the podcast today? This episode, we talk to Radhika, who is a junior doctor in the UK. She also runs a really great Instagram called Veggie Rad. She initially used her Instagram to talk about vegan food, but now it's changed into more of a kind of diary, where she talks about isolation, she talks about coronavirus, she talks about going to work, what she's up to. She lives by herself, so it's really fascinating to hear her insight. She's also an extrovert, like a lot of the people we've spoken to actually. Her insight is really affirming and it's really nice to hear from her, particularly because we spoke to her after she'd already had coronavirus. She was at home for two weeks, self-isolating, and we talked to her about that experience. And she also just talks about how it feels to be a doctor at this time. Enjoy. First off, you were just saying that you are a really junior doctor. How long have you been a doctor for?
2: So I became a doctor in the summer of 2018, so only 18 months roughly. And then now you've
1: been thrown into a global pandemic.
2: I don't see it as like thrown in. And I think a lot of doctors feel the same. We feel like it's more, this is our duty. And I feel like I finally understand when people, when, when they used to say in the wars that it was their duty to be a soldier. I never understood that at all. I'd be like, why can't you just stay at home? That's much safer. Why would you want to put yourself out there? But now I feel that I have these skills and I've been taught these things and not many people are able to help in a way that I can that I feel like it's my duty to be doing what I do like I I don't see it as being thrown in I don't see it as being forced I don't see it as putting myself at risk personally
1: but I just feel like it's my duty and that's what I'm meant to be doing Um, I found that rhetoric in the UK really interesting on the news and everything and I've asked quite a few of my Australian friends is there this wartime kind of vocab going around on the news you know because it's all very like frontline. we're at war (laughs) and I think it kind of makes people in Britain in particular understand the severity of it I don't think that that is a global way of understanding where we're at I do know what you mean but I think it's because we don't have anything to relate it
2: to and this is by far the closest thing we can relate to the war with the totally. way we our lives.
0: Now, on that chain of thought about feeling like it's your call to duty, what makes a doctor then? Like, I'm curious to hear from a doctor, what is it that makes you run towards danger? Because that's not the case. For
2: <laughs> and that's funny because actually, if you were to ask a lot of my friends, we're not the sort of people that want to actively run towards danger. We're very, we prefer to do things that are less risky. I don't think being a doctor has a specific trait. And I actually think that's one of the beauties about it because a lot of people go into medicine not being sure of what they want to do. And there are so many avenues you can go down. And that is one of the great things about being a doctor is that after you finish finished your foundation training, you can pursue so many different routes. And also, I, I, even I think sometimes some... It's not even I think, I know that a lot of us feel like we are given too much praise at the moment because we are just doing what we're meant to be doing and actually the hospitals aren't as crazy as any of us thought they would be and if you were to see how my A&E is right now, it's busy, but I thought it would be like really, really bad. Uh, for me personally winter was worse winter this year was worse than it is right now is that because it,
1: people are taking the advice seriously from the government and staying home with non-serious things to take to A&E
2: so I think there's two reasons. I think one is what you're saying. One is that people are staying at home and we will often we would often get in A&E a couple of months ago patients who have had 3 years of back pain and today they decide to come to A&E when nothing's changed and really that's something that can be seen by the GP. I think there's also people who are actually unwell where my friends who are in GPs have said, you need to go to hospital, but they don't want to because they don't want to put themselves at risk. And it's really hard because I completely understand their position. But also if if a doctor is saying you need to go to hospital or if you feel unwell enough that you would normally go to hospital, it's really important that you do. As doctors, we're quite worried about what's going to happen even over the next year. It will take a really long time for all of the effects of this to come out in the wash it will take a really really long time for us to actually properly deal with it because there are going to be so many things that are missed or hidden during this time not only physical health not only things like important operations being cancelled people having to delay chemotherapy um people not going to their gp because of symptoms that they would normally and they might have underlying diagnoses there's also the mental health side of things we are seeing a lot of mental health in a and e and this is gonna take a really big toll on people's mental health. There'll be so many people who are at home struggling.
0: Yeah, Well, I, I don't know if this is because I'm a bit dumb and I'm not saying that you would have all the answers, but you might understand this a bit better than me. The next phase, when we come out of self-isolation or a staggered self-isolation, how yeah. do we stop the curve from going, spiking again, and then the, the health system being flooded with yeah new cases of a new peak of coronavirus so i i, I,
2: I don 't get it it 's a good question i can't it's not a dumb question because i can 't say I fully understand i 've been at medical school for six years um, it's it's a few different things people so so people are worried about when we all come out again that the people who weren 't infected and weren't immune will catch it, and then that will cause a second peak of people being unwell and It is worrying when you think about people who have to shield and basically stay at home. Imagine once they have to start going out and about again. I completely see where the concern is and how they might end up picking up coronavirus if it's still in the community. The ways I think the main way that we're hoping to overcome this is if a vaccine comes into play. From what I've read and understand, that's the main way that we can try and stop a second peak or at least make. As flat as possible, a second peak. And what um, your, what's your
0: opinion on the kind of herd immunity theory? Of I've heard a few people say, well, actually, you know, for people who can get through coronavirus, we should be ha- getting as many of those people sick now as possible.
2: So herd immunity is something that's being thrown around a lot, and it's a it's a it's a very valid concept. It's what we use in child immunisation. So we rely on the vast majority of children being immunised, so that if there's one that isn't they'll still be protected because everybody else is. The the reason you can't say it for coronavirus is a few things but one is that I think it's still a pretty selfish way to look at it saying I'll get it I'll be fine and let's just get it over with because you don't know when you're carrying it who else you might infect. So say I lived with my parents which I don't and I wasn't a doctor I could say oh I'll get it but if I, did, if I was being casual about everything, and then came home, I could easily give it to my parents before I start showing symptoms. And not only my parents, but other people in the public and in the community, you're also putting them at risk. And then um, the second reason is that you do not know that you will have a mild illness. We are seeing so many people in their younger years still having to go to hospital, still having to go to intensive care. Um, people have died in their twenties. So. It's kind of like, you're not Superman, you are not. You don't know you're gonna survive. So to say, it's fine, I'll just have it and get it done with, is quite irresponsible. And people think, I don't know if people, I don't know if people think oh, I'm doing it for the better and it will increase herd immunity, but no one is, there is no public advice to do that and we are not actively advising that. And I think when, when people say that, because people have said it to me as well, they've said, well, why don't I just get it and get it done with, but these are the reasons why you shouldn't, you don't know who you're gonna give it to while you've got it and you don't actually know how your body will respond. Some of my, so obviously um, I had coronavirus, um, I've talked about this a lot on my Instagram, um, but some of my friends who've had it and, and tested positive, all they've had is a bit of a loss of sense of smell for me, it was, it wasn't great, but it wasn't the worst thing ever. It was really long, which is what I found really difficult because it was a good 10, 11 days. And even actually day 12, 13, I was still getting headaches. Oh, um because yeah, if you think about a normal cold or flu, four days in, you're really starting to feel much
0: better, but 10 yeah. days in to still feel all of the effects of that.
1: You just don't know how your body's going to react. I wanted to ask about how your role on Instagram has changed. I didn't follow you until the beginning of lockdown. And then literally the next day, I think you made a story on Instagram that said, should I talk more about COVID-19? It was like 100% yes. I wanted to know what it was like for you uh, having a changing platform and how how that's been working.
2: This is something that's been really interesting for me over the past few weeks. So I've had my Instagram, it's called Veggie Rad. I've had it for about, I would say five years now. I've had it for a really long time. And I made it just to post about food. Um, and I made it when I was vegetarian. that's why it's veggie rad and then I turned vegan about a year later maybe even less and then I just started posting about vegan food because I love posting about food I love going out to eat it's more going out to eat than cooking and being a doctor is something I've posted about a lot but more on my stories but then I think I started to notice that people were following me more and more for being a doctor and I was giving advice that people found useful especially um, people in medical school or Um, people at school people would find it useful and ask me questions but I was still focusing on my main stuff to be about food and it was only during when this all started that I realised that actually I'm in a position that people would want to know more about and people are really only getting their, their information from the news and I think it's really cool that I could reach some couple of hundred people and tell them what I'm doing so that's why I just started talking a bit more about how it is for me in a and I think it's it can be quite reassuring to see someone who especially you kind of might have connected with already for a few years to see how they're dealing with it and they're the people going on the front line. It probably helps people so that's why I started doing it more and more but I was really conscious that I didn't want to overwhelm my followers and worry them, which is why I did the poll because I wanted it to be kind of like my followers choice, but it was a Unanimous decision that people wanted me to talk about it.
0: I I think people find doctors really interesting like when we <laughs> Whenever my group friends have a doctor in our midst, we're like tell us the grossest thing you've ever seen You know i'm sure people get annoyed, but it's it is fascinating because It takes you know and we're, on that note like we're very grateful for the work that you do And I think doctors are amazing. You know you have <laughs> incredible minds and uh, an ability to just get through it and it's 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 amazing and very inspirational and I don't mean that in a sycophantic way but it's (laughs) a a very cool profession thank you and particularly for a woman you know it's really nice to to see you in your stride
2: oh thanks yeah I think I think that's part of what people have liked seeing about me is that I I think I'm quite normal I'm a bit weird um, I'm a woman I'm young I'm Asian I think seeing that and then seeing following my story people have just quite enjoyed joining and onto that and following along and I'm getting so many people messaging me and interacting and it's just it's been really fun for me I think that's one of the things that I'm realizing the most is that I do it because I find it fun. I find it so much fun. And the fact it's bringing me opportunities like speaking to you guys, I just think that's amazing. And I'm gonna keep doing it
1: until it stops being fun, which I hope doesn't happen. You've also said that you're an extrovert. Does Instagram give you bring you like a level of connection that you would otherwise not have, isolating and living on your own, right? Yeah, absolutely. Like I think speaking to
2: my followers on my stories and interacting with people like feeds my extrovertness during this time because i and i i do wonder sometimes i'm like what would i actually be doing if i didn't have this to focus on because it's just been so great to be able to speak to people to just pick up my phone and talk on my stories and say hey guys i'm doing this um and then getting people's opinions on it people's advice on things that I might be i might be struggling with It's it's like it's yeah it's absolutely feeding my extrovertness but from being at home
0: we interviewed another doctor um in episode two, and one of the questions we asked him was, "Do you feel a sense of responsibility at this time to not um, be anxious, Annie, that you're not real you have to kind of put your own emotions aside or your own fears aside because there's people are kind of turning to you as community leaders and responsible people to reassure us that it's all going to be okay?
2: That's a tricky question. I think that there's a balance between not being too anxious and open and saying your worries. But I think people relate to me far better when I'm honest about how I'm feeling. And not only me, but anyone you follow, if they're actually honest, I think that's way more, you appreciate what they're saying a lot more. So I, I don't actively think about it and really decide, but there are just I just have a feel for what I know people would want to know and not want to know. I think Instagram right now is a really positive place and people turn to it as a form of escapism. And even the people that follow me, I don't know if they want to know, like I don't sit there giving government updates every single day, which I know other accounts do and I find that really useful as well. But I don't do it because people don't follow me for that. People are following me because they want to get an insight into how it is being a doctor. I'm not sure I want to speak about the anxious and negative sides of it Mm. as much. But then also I want to be real. So I balance try to balance it as much as i can and do you um, feel
0: like you are being looked after in that sense as well you know do you feel like you can have that self care time do you or do you feel like you have to just be go 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 for other people all the time a lot of your work is about giving and looking after are you able to carve out some time to just look after you i guess or how do you manage your own feelings in this time
2: i think that this is going to sound weird but i think you guys might get it because i know you guys both said you're quite extroverted as well i i honestly think sometimes especially at this time going to work is part of my self-care because i'm able to have that sense of doing something with my day that i'm positively impacting other people but also being around people being around my colleagues seeing like the other doctors and nurses brings me so much joy but after being off for two weeks i was so excited to go back to work i can't even tell you how happy it made me to be at work and see everyone so i definitely think there's an element of being at work as part of my self
1: care especially right now i completely understand about having joy when you go to work because i work in hospitality and i've been talking to a lot of my other colleagues and we're just like we just miss just talking to customers mm. because We have such an abnormal amount of connection to people every day. And having that taken away from you and then being trapped inside your house, I'm like, I don't know what to do with myself. Crazy. Also, uh, so you were off for two weeks. I'm interested in how the environment has changed in that two weeks. Like you had a solid block where you were away. What's the difference now to then before you had the time off?
2: The main thing I can say is the difference is that when I left, so this is going to get quite a bit technical, but basically if we're worried that someone had coronavirus, when I left, if we were worried, there were a couple of rooms that we'd put them into and we would gown up and everything when we were going into that room. So we call it clean and dirty. So before I left, there were only a few small areas which were dirty areas and we'd gown up for and the rest of A&E was clean. But now we've flipped it. So there's like one small room for if we're really sure they haven't got... um coronavirus, then we see them in there and we don't have to gown up and everything, but we can if we want to. Um, And everywhere else is seen as dirty. So we basically flipped how we're seeing them and we are wearing protection and everything for, for the vast majority of patients. So that's the main thing. From the last few shifts I've done, it's more actually medical stuff and not coronavirus-y things, which I found quite interesting. But the ones that are coming in are often quite unwell, like I was saying earlier. So people are actually, they've kind of left it and they might be more unwell than you, you might have expected in a normal time. But otherwise, I can't say too much has changed. I think we're just all trying to get through it. And the morale is still there, which is really nice. We're all still there for each other. But the main difference for me would be how we've flipped, how we're seeing the patients and when we're worrying about coronavirus so now we basically suspect it in everyone rather than the other way around
0: well it's been so lovely to talk to you and such a nice positive outlook and as i said before we're just really grateful for the work that you're doing and we would absolutely encourage anyone to go over to your instagram to get a whole host of information so thank you for taking the time out oh. in what is already a busy schedule <laughs> to come chat to us. well
1: thanks guys Thanks for listening to this episode of Harness Isolation Diaries. We are proud supporters of Rafiki Mwema and the Carly Ryan Foundation. To hear more about their amazing work, check out the show notes. Also, if you want to share with us what you've been up to during these really uncertain times, drop us an email at projectharness at gmail.com or message us on Instagram. We love receiving your voice notes. Cheers.